And remember, there was a time when we, this country would kill people uh, who were born with dis certain disabilities. Here you are fighting for your very life. You're not just fighting for some little thing, you're fighting for your life. There were so many different blind people and disabled persons whom came from so many directions, who didn't know how they were going to eat the next day, didn't know what was next coming down the road, either police or anybody else, didn't care if anything else went good or bad. They wanted to make sure that they were a part that made sure that the government heard their voices, their hearts, and their minds. And they did that. If anything, they did that. Welcome to the Death Panel. Patrons, thank you so much for supporting the show. We could not do any of this without you. And if you'd like to help us out a little bit more, share the show with your friends, post about your favorite episodes, pre-order Health Communism and request it at your local library, and follow us at deathpanel underscore. So this is part two of our Death Panel history of the Section 504 sit-ins, which is an early moment of protest in the disability civil rights movement that started on April 5th, 1977 and lasted about a month. And this month, April 2022, is the 45th anniversary of this historic occupation. In part one, we talked about the four years of bureaucratic debate that went on through three presidential administrations over what was really the value, um, or if there was value, in providing civil rights to disabled people. And we talked at length about how the agency heads responsible for writing and implementing the Section 504 regulation and the U.S. Department of Housing, Education and Welfare, HEW, used proto-cost-benefit reasoning to delay and nearly kill this landmark piece of disability civil rights legislation. Yeah. So if you're a patron and you haven't heard that episode, which is the public episode from last week, from last Thursday, do go ahead and do that. I mean, I think a lot of what we're going to talk about is a standalone story, really. Absolutely. But I think you'll get a lot more out of this episode specifically because we go through so much of both what was at stake, but also sort of what people were so frustrated with, which was this framework used to, yeah, to hold up mm -hmm. the uh, enshrining of um, civil rights law for disabled people through three presidential administrations on the basis of, yeah, basically like it would cost too much mm -hmm. to do it. And it might give benefits to the sort of undesirable. Yeah, which we'll talk about today. Yeah. So part one brought us through those first four years um, from when the 1973 Rehabilitation Act starts being debated until April 4th, um, 1977, which is the night before these demonstrations really start to kick off. And here in part two, we're going to talk about the sit-in itself, picking back up the story at April 5th, 1977, to talk about the actual sit-in itself, what happened and how the action played out. And 
The 504 sit-in is sometimes called the Stonewall Inn riots of the disability rights movement, Hmm. but there is nowhere near the kind of awareness of this popular account in like pop culture as there is the sort of events that it's often compared to. So when you say like... Really for any of the events that it's compared to. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like people act like, oh, you should know what this is. Like you should know what the 504 sit-in is. Everybody knows what this is. This is the Stonewall riots of the disability rights movement. Which itself, it's like, why would you... Uh, it's the, a meaningless you know, comparison. It's right. yeah. Yeah, at that popular bar, uh, health education and welfare, one of the one of the right. <laughs> most important bars in the disability scene. I mean, it, actually, you know, what's interesting is that I, I wouldn't be surprised if this is in part why. I mean, as we'll we'll get into, you know, I, I don't want to have our preamble go on for too long because we wouldn't need to get into the story, but basically, like. Um, the occupation of this building and also the subsequent like the delegation that they send to Washington two weeks in to sort of like harass the president and the secretary of health, education and welfare. But then like, you know, if you think about it, they're occupying a, you know, federal agency building. Right. And I mean, they're, they're staging protests across multiple federal agency buildings. Um, a lot of the corollary protests. Right. Or the, a lot of the like historic other historical examples that are brought to bear as being similar in some way to 504 are not necessarily occupying federal yeah, they're office like private space. Biz, private businesses. Right. Yeah. Which it, it makes sense that this might be like a little bit less, this might be a little bit uh, downplayed, let's say in some histories because it's potentially more of a threat to the state. Absolutely. And ultimately it still is, I believe the longest occupation of a federal building in us history. Um, and it absolutely would not have been possible without the tremendous coalition of organizers from all sorts of causes who came together to sort of make up the structural components of what this community needed in order to occupy the building for the entire month of April. Basically they were there until April 30th. So, Um, The sit-in itself had been called by a group called the American Coalition of Citizens with Disabilities, known as the ACCD, which was led at the time by a deaf activist named Frank Bowe. And basically, they had gotten this tip-off that Jimmy Carter's HEW secretary, Joseph Califano, was pushing to have some of these provisions watered down. We talked a lot in the first part about how Califano was very skeptical of these um, regulations and how much they would cost. Califano later called Section 504 a, quote, unqualified ticket to equality and opportunity, um, saying that, quote, the issue is not whether to enforce Section 504, but how. Those most interested, the handicapped, were like all special interest groups, rather one-dimensional in their views. It's hard enough to deal with interest groups in black, even gray hats, but it's nothing like dealing with those in white hats with an unqualified ticket to equality and opportunity issued by the Congress. Yeah, this is a really so I I, I, I get resonances uh, of the present in the past here in the sense that like they come in and they're delaying like the prior administration and then but like you know like we're democrats we do things differently uh we're, we're setting up a task force you know right. to study this. <laughs> it's like of course you are setting up a task force um and you know like slow walking this but like but in a nicer way right (laughs) yeah and i mean this like heinous statement from califano is from his own autobiography so this was written with like 
many years of hindsight and the opportunity to reflect on his actions and maybe what he could have done better. Could recant. No, I'm not going to recant. No. To hear the full episode, become a patron at patreon.com slash deathpanelpod. You'll get access to this and the rest of our catalog of patron-only episodes. And be the first to get a new patron episode every Monday when it drops. With love, the Death Panel.